Oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. It's one of my happy times and places, which is what this podcast is called. I'm Toby Haydoke, and in it, I do an episode commentary on a Doctor Who instalment that's been nominated by a friend of mine. They've chosen their favourite thing about it. I have to guess what that favourite thing is. Hello, uh, my name's Stephen Hatcher. Uh, I'm the uh, coordinator of the Hoover's Doctor Who group based in Derby. And for the last 11 years, uh, I've been the organiser of the Hooverville Convention. Toby, what I've got for you is the Sea Devils. Well, hello, everybody. It's a very exciting time for Doctor Who as I record this. Um, If you're a non-patron and you're listening, I'm not rubbing this in. Uh, Just uh, I'm just apologising if um, my current affairs are slightly out of date when you are, because uh, I'm recording this in the sort of fallout of the news of, I was going to say the new Doctor, but the new Doctor and the old Doctor and the new companion slash Rose slash... It does baffle me slightly how... um, Now, history may prove me wrong on this, but how um, people who watch a television programme that is all about the infinite possibilities of time and space haven't considered that there might be two people in that universe universe with the same Christian name, (laughs) which I think is slightly more likely than uh, them recasting Billy Piper. But anyway, who knows? History may make a fool of me. But anyway, um, uh, I'm also recording this... Uh, with the strange knowledge that uh, the prior episodes of this particular Happy Times and Places uh, are out um, as I record this. So I know that uh, the patrons, the lovely patrons, have been enjoying uh, watching The Sea Devils with me and with Steve Hatcher. So uh, I better carry on watching it before they overtake me. Um, uh, But anyway, yes, so if I make reference to events going on this week and non-patrons in the future. I, th- I mean, for us, when I record this, Jodie Whittaker is still Doctor Who. I think the way things are going, that will not be the case. I mean, she'll always be Doctor Who, but not the current Doctor Who. Um, I think that won't be the case by the time you hear this in non-patronsville, but I do know. I try and keep a sort of six-month gap. So actually, for you, this is almost in itself a sort of time capsule which I think, I don't know if it's ideal. I don't know if I should actually do this closer, but I, I, I took advice from a couple of people who said, no, no, make, you know, make sure that, um, you know, patrons have a, you know, early access and, and, you know, six, six months is quite a good sort of gap. So, I mean, it's not like this is a news, a news podcast. I mean, I'm, as I say, I'm alluding to a couple of pretty seismic things and because the stuff in the air and it's all exciting and uh, I don't know uh, I keep seeing leaked photos of David Tennant on the internet and I, I feel like I'm 33 again <laughs> I've got an all little wave of nostalgia to those halcyon days uh, but this uh, this uh, the sea devils well I, I get a wave of nostalgia about the repeat of this and of course the repeat of this was sooner after its original broadcast pretty much no uh what 73 so it was 19 years after its original broadcast whereas we are now 1992 2002 2012 oh yeah we're now nearly 30 years oh my goodness since the repeat of this where i first saw saw it in sort of glorious you know transmittable quality transmissible quality um was before i'd had it on sort of ropey bootleg 
Anyway, we're going to watch part five, episode five of The Sea Devils, where Joe Grant has just been part of one of the, uh, I, I don't know, just one of the more most memorable cliffhangers of Doctor Who, which is basically the camera zooming in on her face with her looking scared. Um, or not scared, or, you know, unnerved by what she sees, or doesn't. So, what has happened to TV's Doctor Who, Under the Sea? Let us find out. I'm watching on BritBox, whatever you're watching on. Oh, no, and so, of course, it's now gone blank. Right, no, so it got, it got bored of me talking, which means, and that's a machine, so you humans have probably <laughs> dived out ages ago. Anyway, we have 23 minutes remaining of season nine episode 13 which is known to you and i dear listener as episode five of the sea devils which i'm really enjoying and i'm watching with steve hatcher and indeed i like to think with you a lot as well so let's press select play whatever we want to in three two one it made a clicking noise no yeah 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 didn't uh, i mean I may as what, what was that countdown for? Absolutely nothing. Oh, no, actually, it's not 23 minutes remaining. It's counting down from 24.40, so it's a longer episode. Anyway, uh, this is Doctor Who and the Sea Devils. Now, I, I, somebody, was it David Gillespie, I think it was, um, uh, pointed out that every time I tell Alexa to turn the volume down, I turn the volume down on what they're actually watching so I'm, I'm sorry about that I'd never considered that your Alexa would be listening to me of course non-patrons this won't be a problem because by the time you're listening Alexa will be defunct ancient technology like Betamax or Papyrus and you'll just be having to control the volume with the power of your mind um, but anyway um, I might uh, can you block your Alexa's ears because this is slightly loud so block your Alexa's ears hang on Alexa, volume four. Um, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, so here we are. We're back to the recap. Um, we've got all these things. I like those big chunky jumpers that sailors wear. That's the sort of thing that, uh, you, you, you know, you'd occasionally... Um, I remember having a fisherman's jumper. I don't know why they were called fisherman's jumpers, but I liked it. And people said it suited me. I don't know where it is now. It probably wouldn't fit now. Um but there are all those sorts of, and you could you could get clothes from sort of, you probably still can. In the olden days, you could get clothes from army surplus stores. But, you know, dads and granddads and uncles and people sort of had, you know, for particular jobs or, or uh, occasions, they'd have a, you know, an army jumper or a naval jumper or, or, or you know, work gear that uh, had a sort of military echo about it. Um, uh, and I suppose that, that was an inheritance of people that had got their own stuff that they'd... Um, you know that they, you know their their, you know their parents or in some cases them, you know brought stuff back from active service and and then used it to mooch about it, which seems a bit, oh crikey that seems that you know this is yeah this is the jumper I wore when I was at sea. Anyway, uh, I I note I not really paid much attention to the doctors because they they obviously they transport the doctor in that funny submarine thing. Um, ah, here is Walker, the awful politician. Uh, I, 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 I love his uh, interaction with uh, Jane Blythe, where she heartily disapproves of him because he he uh, patronises her. Uh, I mean, this is this is pretty on the nose, isn't it? Um, it's it's interesting how interesting alert uh, how politicians have changed since 
masters in uh, Doctor Who and the Silurians, where Jeffrey Palmer plays it straight and is and is quite a reasonable figure. We've we've had Chin in the Claws of Axos, who everyone hates. Um, people don't like that performance at all. I've never really minded it, um, but he, he he is cut from a different cloth uh, from from the sort of politicians we saw in uh, season seven. Um, and and you know this is this is Malcolm Hulk um, leaving us in no doubt as to what he thinks about these civil servants. Um, well, not civil servants, is he? He's not a civil servant. He's a politician. Um, I like the sea devil voices. I can sort of do one. Alexa, volume three. Um, that's better. Uh, John Pertwee. Uh, John Pertwee even looks good in a sort of anorak. <laughs> He's great, isn't he? He is such an elegant man. Um, and and I funny uh, when I was doing the sort of preamble to this. Um, oh, I like the way. Like <laughs> the way I like the way that the chief sea devil has an extra bit of netting. It's like I get the necklace bit. I get the cl- it's like a cloak. I get the string cloak. <laughs> um, I mock, but it absolutely looks fine. It's just the logic of it. <laughs> How do we denote who's the one in charge? Well, should we give, give, give them a bit more string? I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's a cloak made out of string vests. Or, or no, it's nets, isn't it? Um, but I wonder if, you know, if if there's some sort of, you know whether it's whoever grabs the cloak gets to be chief, or when you get to be chief, somebody makes the cloak for you. We we shouldn't worry about these things. Peter Forbes Robertson is the chief sea devil. He had been a guard in Power of the Daleks and one of the Time Lords, uh, directed by Michael Bryant in uh, in the opening of Colony in Space. Uh, I don't know an awful lot about him. No longer with us. Long long dead, I think. Um, but that's actually the the mouth moves, which I have to note they, I they hadn't really cracked that in Legend of the Sea Devils, had they? I think they, I was going to say post production, it just looked more like somebody had sort of poked the film from behind, poked it digitally. Um, that's that's nice. I like the master's sort of entrance. It's not an entrance. He's sort of placed quite far back, and the camera goes in on him. I I, I like that. Now I think this. Is 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 this the scene where it, it, it kind of does a close up on his mouth, um, eating his toast or something, which I think is a lovely. I remember Doctor Who magazine did a uh, an article called Nostalgia. It was when they were. I mentioned this before, and it had the lovely uh, the lovely composite of all the sea devils rising from the sea. I like a toast rack too. Um, I remember when bread was good for you. <laughs> you should have bread for breakfast now. Terrible. Um, anyway, um, and and they talked about. Walker, and they talked about the the, the close up of his mouth, uh, and and I can't remember who wrote it. I think it was, uh, I think it was. Um, would it have been Gary Russell? No, or Patrick Mulcan even. I can't remember, so I'm not going to miscredit somebody. Um, but I am just going to say I am. I remember and I am admiring of them describing this bit as uh, the camera lingering on his gaping maw. And I'm sure I've used the the, set, the, the, the word combo gaping maw uh, on a couple of occasions. And it's, uh, it's always stuck in my mind from that, uh, that uh, particular 
article. It's all going a bit doolally in Haydoke Towers. We've got a couple of dogs and a lift uh, and lots of noise. Um, but I'm going to persevere unless you need me, babe. Do you need me? No. Um, Bernard has a visitor. Bernard is my dog. Bernard has a visitor who's called Cobany, who is a dog with a, a, a pesky aspect and a prominent underbite. And Bernard, who is a very nice and friendly dog, is very discombobulated because this is his planet. He was here before Cobany, and now Cobany has come to stomp all over it, and I think he wants rid. So it's thematically... My poor dog's misery is thematically appropriate. <laughs> um... I'd, it's it's funny because I remember when I watched this, um, you know, at the time and discovered it as a television story, I, I hadn't really thought of it much as a story about the master and the doctor having a chat with, you know, monsters. And of course, as a as a as a, as a kid discovering this, you know, had I known nothing about it, this would be the sort of these would be the scenes that you'd love because that you know lots of that lots of monsters. But I I am you know mindful of uh, you know that phrase. Um, uh, you know that has been used by better writers than I that uh, some scenes of Doctor Who can be squabbling rubber but I like I like all this stuff they do with the with the sea devil's hand uh, and the doctor's head and, and don't they touch hands later as well to sort of say perhaps it would be better to make peace I think that was in uh, the Resistance is Useless documentary as well or, or it was in it was, a, it was a clip that was used as well um, they seem to use a lot of clips from the Sea Devils in that documentary. Maybe it was because because of the repeat season. Um, uh, but yeah, I like all that stuff. But but obviously the hand thing is quite you know that's you know that's quite a, a logical thing. You know, but 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 it's bred from the business with the hand to the back of the head, and and I like all that. I, I, we get what that means, but it's slightly alien. So we get the we understand what the drama is trying to say with it, but it's not derived from anything particularly specific within us there's a lot of stock footage here you can tell when it's well i was gonna say you could tell when it's stock because it's slightly bleached out but i think some of those aerial shots were but this isn't because this is norman atkins who uh who i think i mean he was an actor uh, he's he's the the guardian in colony in space i suspect he's probably slightly he was probably slightly prouder of his role as the admiral in <laughs> the sea devils uh obviously another friend of michael bryant's but i think he'd been I think I think like a lot of Bryant's friends, he was a a man of the sea. Um, now Martin Body, though, who plays Walker, is very interesting. He was a friend of Ian Hogg from Ghostlight, um, and I'm, I must I'm still sort of in touch with. See, that's slightly bleached out. I think that must be stock. But then again, that's not glorious. And that yeah, I think some of this yeah some of this stuff is obviously stock. Yes, don't overthink it, Toby. If it looks like stock, it probably is stock. Um, uh, but obviously the stuff with Norman Atkins isn't. They didn't have footage of him just lying around. I live, love all this, though. Look at this. This looks a million dollars. Um, you know, especially for Doctor Who. Um, this is all, you know, this is all really broadening the canvas. However, um, Martin Body. Don't get distracted from from the Martin Body um, by these terrific explosions. I'm loving these sea explosions. Again, I think probably when I, I am getting distracted from Martin Body, but I'm aware, the part of my head isn't, so hold that thought. But I, I love those, um, uh, those sort of sea explosions, because as I say, I'm sure, 
a lot of them are stock, if not all. But I'm, you know, I think the Navy were cooperative, so they may have dropped. Are you allowed to just drop things every now and again? For Doctor, Doctor Who's in town. Blow, blow up the bottom of the sea. Um, but I, I, I think obviously the Navy have helped them out with a lot of this footage. Um, uh, but I, I, I think it's. It's the sort of st stuff that when I first watched it, I was just like, oh, it's probably stock footage. But it's actually it, it, it integrated into the drama very well. And, and because there's so much unusual sea footage anyway, I, I think you kind of, if you're not, you know, somebody like us who looks for different um, quality and different film shots so one can d decide whether one's, it's stock footage or not. Um, I think if you're just watching this, as I've said before, you know, my, my mum can't tell the difference between film and vt for goodness sake so you know we took we took this is mostly watched by normal people um uh but i think all of this stuff you know you're just getting used to doctor who being at a naval base and in the sea and all of this and yeah norman atkins looks like he's in the same place as all this stuff going on and as i say I, i'm not uh, they, they may well have i don't know but i'm not gonna you can look that up it doesn't matter whether i'm right or wrong the point i'm making is um, and that's actually a pretty good rockfall for Doctor Who. Sometimes those things are a bit pony, but that was that was a big old piece of ceiling that fell in. Oh, and it twitched in death. Oh, I like a twitch in death. Uh, that, that is what I say, you know, that is verisimilitude. Uh, you know, it's essentially a man in a rubber costume, but do a little bit of, you know, do a little bit of that. It just helps to sell the illusion a little bit. Little, little touch, a little, uh, you know, a little something extra. Um, but, yeah, we've got used to seeing all the Doctor Who at the sea stuff, which is, you know, what is unusual, uh, the, the sort of main headline of what is unusual about this story. But then they start, you know, you start seeing explosions in the sea and you kind of buy that it's all there and it's all part of it. And this is not the usual stuff you get from you get from Doctor Who. Now, that's an, obviously that's. Uh, uh, oh, oh, and that's very good because it's one. It's a good trick. I like the plotting of that. I remember as a kid thinking that the plotting of that was very clever. Yeah, send up a couple of um, corpses uh, and, and you know, that will convince them that they've done their work. I mean, it's, it's not great if you're... I mean, the inference was they didn't go and get a couple of dead ones and, and you know, chuck them out the back door. They, 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 they have uh, you know, sac sacrificed a couple of... A uh, uh, couple of their soldiers. Um uh, they, that, I may be wrong on that. I've, I've been talking all the way through it. Um, uh, but anyway, two Dead Sea Devils, that's a good image. And I remember thinking that uh, a, a clever piece of plotting. And of course, I, was re I read something about it recently, actually, um, uh, that, you know, we um, we did this in World War Two, didn't we? We dropped a corpse, an unknown soldier, um, uh, into the sea with some documents. Um, and the Germans picked it up and, uh, uh, you know, were... Um, uh, you know, f fell for the for the ruse, which gave I, th I think some disinformation about what was going to happen on the Normandy landings or something. Um, uh, so, and, and all of that sort of wartime daring do stuff was was in the air when I was a kid. Those were the sort of stories that we read about and things. So uh, that that sort of plotting, I, I I enjoy. It's a great it's a great sort of simple trick that makes a kid go, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, uh, so. Um, I mean, we shall attack their base. Oh, so, you know, that really, that's really kicking up. So episode five of The Sea Devils is not one I really think about because I always sort of think about bringing it up to Trenchard and, and the, the prison and that sort of storyline finishing last week. 
And then, of course, the big attack on the naval base, which is next week. And I never really think about episode five much. Oh, John Pertwee in a porthole. Oh, you love that. That's great. Um, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this as much as one can when one chats through. Because, yes, I, I love the Walker stuff. I love that close-up of his gaping maw. Um, but I love there's another sea devil corpse. Great, sort of littered with corpses. Uh, which is quite sort of action-y, packed-y. Uh, and I'd forgotten, yes, he comes and rescues Donald Sumter. We love a bit of Donald Sumter. And uh, and David Griffin off of Heidi High. Um, keep an eye out. Keep, keep an eye on Sumter's eye. Um, he's actually a handsome devil, isn't he? A beard suits him. Oh, and Russell McPhillips, my, um, my military advisor. Toby Haydock would like to thank... The Royal Russell McPhillips, for his assistance with the making of his program, this program, uh, did because I was saying I wasn't sure um, if officers were allowed, you know, if were allowed beards. You're allowed a beard if you're on a submarine uh, because you're underwater for ages and they sort of give you a pass. So um, uh, that's what he said. I might in the post credits actually read out exactly what he said um, because. Uh, I want to get it exactly right, but um, and I'm, I'm I can't check that now because I'm watching Doctor Who. Everybody, look, I always notice Colin Bell has a, a blood blister under his middle finger. Uh, here, he's obviously shot his finger in the door. Uh, but actually, this is such good quality. He's got stubble. You know, the suggestion being there. You know, they're under the water. So this is Colin Bell, who I have discovered is still alive. And this is Christopher Ray, who sadly isn't alive, but became. Uh, uh, a, 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 a light salesman and the other guy in the middle is Rex Rowland who barely did anything else and I think died in about um, 2004 I think because um, a lot of Rexes aren't actually called Rex, they're called Reginald which makes things very tricky um, uh, that's Pertwee getting very cross with Donald Sumter for killing the sea devil but that's quite a bit of action if you're a kid uh, I mean that's a quite that's one of those scenes that you, I mean, you would just chuck out right now the the bit of the three characters, um, one of whom you've never seen before, playing cards and then distracting a sea devil. Oh, that sea devil wasn't dead. Oh, he'd just fallen over because the, uh, the the depth charge he bombed things. Oh, so that's quite good. So he was placed, he was placed as a tip-off for the drama having later. I do love the way that the sea devils look on camera. Um, as I say, not they don't always walk brilliantly, but they, no, they've got these ones have good posture. Island is such a good design. Um, so, yeah, that scene between those three characters is an odd one, isn't it? Because, um, But it's nice that we get Summers from before and uh, and uh, what's uh, what's Christopher Ray called? Love Lovell. Um, but, yeah, Rex Rowland's character gets to pretend to hold his stomach and then I don't think does much else in... He's, he's sitting at the desk now, but he didn't do much else on telly or certainly not in Doctor Who again. Anyway, I hope he had a nice life. He's got a bit of immortality that uh, if you're painted with the Doctor Who brush. Um, so there's that uh, there's that lovely uh, propeller that caused so much consternation and got people from uh, from military intelligence or naval intelligence to come and <laughs> come and interview Michael Bryan and Peter Day and say, well, are you spies? <laughs> Love that. Um, uh, this is very well shot, all of this stuff here. Um you know, having the slight bits of the submarine set before the camera and the placing of the actors, it's 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 very nicely done. How, now, how's the Sumter Eye on here? 
A uh, little blinking, but not twitching. Yeah, no, that's okay. And the negative effect on, on that shot as you see it through this. Oh, the camera works great. I forget how good Michael Bryant is with the, with the master sort of slightly out of focus and below and the profile of the sea devil. They really trust those, uh, those masks. Uh, and quite right that they should. You know, obviously they're not blinking eyes, but that, that, that didn't really bother us as... As, as kids all sweat on his brow there on David Griffin's brow um, go on have a twitch um, oh sweat on his sweat on him now as well this is all yeah this is all great stuff why do I never remember episode 5 um, and and the music's working to augment this too it, it is like sort of drops in the ocean isn't it do 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 um Yay, Colin Bell. We love Colin Bell, especially as he's still alive. <laughs> uh, and he will be back in Invasion of the Dinosaurs as a last-minute replacement, we think, for somebody else. Going home. I like that. Uh, and they're nice characters. I like the sort of the submarine sabbatical that we have. Um, now I think you'd probably try and find ways of bringing those, at least Donald Sumter's character in early and, and, and having him through to the end you know having them on the you'd probably have all those soldiers all that sorry all those uh, um naval officers they've um marines uh on the that's a great shot of delgado uh you know in the final assault on the base and you know a couple of them would probably get killed you know so that you'd got a you'd got you know so that the, the bodies flying about in episode six um you know you you had a little anchor with um but of course you know here that would be quite a big exercise because you'd have because none of those actors are on film uh in this so you'd have the expense of having to hire them in advance uh pay them you know have them on uh i think there was some sort of retainer system in those days or you you certainly got paid more for being on film so if you're on film and videotape um so anyway let's not but but yeah it was a it was a much bigger consideration it's an easier booking to uh to have them just for the studio session that uh uh, you know, on the on 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 the on the submarine, um, <laughs> Walker is. I I love that because Pertwee is 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 supposedly you know the establishment figure, but uh, then so then you have to sort of because he is a bit more established, certainly more establishment than Troughton or or Baker, uh, you know the, the the more earthbound of the doctors, um, for a period anyway, um, but but per, uh, Pertwee is great because he's got the authority, Peter Brace. Stuntman Peter Brace. He only died a couple of years ago. Uh, you can see him. He, he gets some lines in The Prisoner, dubbed by somebody else in the uh, Living in Harmony episode. He plays a character, doesn't he, Zeke? Um, but he's, he's about to not see any of these guys, isn't he? And then one's going to come up behind him. Uh, yeah, you I, I always wonder, what, where, what, where were you looking? Because that thing's standing right next to you. Um, but that is glorious, isn't it? That is the sea devils rising from the sea i actually think their body language is okay mostly um and and but now of course you'd you'd want to dwell on that a bit more you'd want five or six goes at that but it's i'm i'm it's so good that they had uh you know the cameras on so we've got all those brilliant photographs of it they look fantastic around the base i i'm i'm actually loving the design even even more I think I think they look terrific. I think I slightly got them in my mind's eye, sort of lolloping about apologetically. I think they look great around the base. I think they look great in contrast to the metallic surroundings. They look great coming out of the sea. Again, I'd have had that. I'd have. I'm. 
I'm not a TV director. I'd have, but I'd have probably gone on. I'd have held on that for way too long. It's actually quite nice that you, you know, you get a, if you look away, you missed it, and yet I'm so used to that imagery because we had so many photos of that, or that photo was used, or whatever photos we had were used quite a lot because there was also photos of the single one, wasn't there? Martin Body, who I still haven't talked about, Martin Body. Uh, worked with Ian Hogg quite a lot. And I believe, here's a lovely fact. I must, because Ian told me this over when we were having a pizza after we'd interviewed Ian about his career. Here's a fact. Martin Body sang at the famous devil man, what do you call him? Alistair Crowley, the man of the devil, the black magic fellow. Uh, Martin Body sang at Alistair Crowley's funeral. There's a fact that you won't get in any other Doctor Who podcast. Um, oh, and we're about to come to the final cliffhanger, aren't we? And I, I meant to say, because Joe was at the beginning of this, this is a magnificent story for Joe, and I've barely talked about her. And I think it's partially because I take her for granted. But Joe rocks. So does Katie Manning. That's a great cliffhanger, actually. It's the worst cliffhanger in the thing, because it's just uh, the monster points his gun at Doctor Who. But it's a great monster. It's a great, cut. you know... Uh, uh, you know, cut from the pan from the gun to the uh, to the excellent design, but it's an excellent gun. It's an excellent face, um, and that the forgotten episode of the Sea Devils, episode five, the one I don't really think about hugely, uh, is an absolutely wonderful thing. I love it. Um, I'd have liked to have seen Martin Body credited slightly higher, but you can't have everything. Uh, he was an interesting, an interesting fellow by all accounts. But I must, I must actually email uh, Ian Hogg and just get him to remind me of some of the interesting things about uh, Martin Body that um, I've I've lost to the mists of time. Because you know that's the problem when you interview some some of these people. You then go and have a have lunch, and they tell you loads of other stuff, and you're not recording, and that would be rude to. And sometimes. The reason they tell you some things is because you're not recording. But he wasn't telling me. He wasn't. He wasn't imparting a secret. We just. I, I can't remember how we got on. We got. We just got onto Martin Body, and he. He. He told me a couple of other things. He told me a few other things, and I can't remember them. So I must. Uh, I must get him to remind me. So look. What is my favourite thing? About episode five, of the oh well. Uh, I jump straight to the the close up of Walker eating his toast. I think it's a great, well, one uh, very personal one because it. Uh, I, I'm always reminded of that phrase, gaping more. Um, I think it was Patrick Welkin. I I can check this. Um, uh, but gaping more, very good, very good. Um, but 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 also it, it it's the character of Walker who I think is. Is is fun. He is a bit arch. He's he's brilliant in the book. He has some sweets that he doesn't give to anybody. <laughs> um, uh, he's 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 a, he's great in the book too. He doesn't go quite well. He do he does go far in this. He's pretty arch in this. But I think he's I think he's funnier than Chin. And you sort of and he's he's more of a. I was going to use a terrible word then. He's more of a than Chin. Um, Chin, Chin's just a sort of fool, whereas this guy is a. Uh, he's he, and Chin is dangerous, but this guy, this guy, you know, he wears that puffed up, you know, you know, he's the arch trenchard, you know, he's the he's he's the 
the ascendant Trenchard in a way. You know, at least Trenchard was a relic of an old time, and you so you could kind of pity him for the fact that he represented something, you know, an ideal that had failed and a and a past that he'd never get again. So so there was something sort of sort of bittersweet about his his attempts to, you know, there's there's something almost you know heartwarming about his attempts to you know, maintain that thing that he felt was important and, and, and at the end of the day it was rather sad. Whereas Walker's a member of the government and is in power and will, you know, use his, you know, stupid, often selfish, pompous urges to do actual great harm and damage. Um, oh, Peter Brace, I didn't get enough to talk about because, of course, I was <laughs> talking about the sea devils coming from the sea. He's also, he's in the android invasion. He's, uh, he's they do a test android and he runs down a corridor and gets shot to test how effective uh, or, you know, the, the android kill gun is. Um, so anyway, my favourite bit of, and sorry about the interruption, but I thought I was, I was sort of in a bit of a flow and, you know, Shez, Shez has an instinct to know uh, not to sort of come and go bah, 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 bah. so we, we I managed to but I, I mean I don't like it sometimes when I listen to podcasts and you know they include all the sort of interruptions but I have to because I'm you know sticking to time so you know if she came in now I'd stop um, and you'd you'd have a you know proper edit and everything but uh, I think we got away with it in fact I'd probably get away with it more if I don't draw attention to such things now, oh, and now I'll draw attention to the fact that I bet, I bet, oh no, Steve Hatcher is still here, uh, downloaded onto my laptop. I thought I, I might have to retrieve him from the cloud. So, st- oh, so my favourite thing, I keep interrupting myself when I'm talking about Martin Body. I'm having an out-of-body experience throughout this. Um, the close-up, I mean, encapsulating Walker, although I'm aware he's a bit broad, I still do enjoy it, and I enjoy what Malcolm Hulk's decided to do, um, as, especially as, you know, in these six-parters, they can sometimes get a bit dry. Um, and he's just the right side, I think, for me, of parody. And where he isn't, actually, where he goes over the top, they, I think they do good things with him. I, I like the close-up. I just think it's it, the close-up of the mouth chewing the toast, the gaping more. you know, it... it, it, it the camera is telling part of the story about the character and the character's actions are informing the story and are propelling the drama. And, uh, you know, it just works on all sorts of different levels. And it's and I think it's inventive and I think it's a, a, a way of telling the story in a, you know, in quite a bold way, but that I think on this occasion works because he is a grotesque, so you can afford a bit of a grotesque thing to do. And I admire its ambition to do that. I think it is quite arch, but um, but it's contained and it makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. And because there's nothing else quite, quite like it um, in Doctor Who, I don't think, actually, <laughs> where the camera sort of speaks to the character. Um, I quite like the bit at the end of the rap in Greatest Show in the Galaxy when the ringmaster, having done his rap, looks and and you know it, it, and it, it picks on the sort of slightly the sort of um, slightly um, pitted and carbuncled uh, profile that, that Rico Ross has if you catch his face in, in a slight way. Uh, and I thought that was a, that was a really interesting, uh, you know, you, you know, just a sudden, you know, doing nothing but just the way that you film the actor's face. Um, Anyway, so yeah, 
Walker's Gaping Moor is my favourite thing from episode 5, which was a very good episode of The Sea Devils, uh, and one I often forget. For episode 5, well, I've picked on something that is there all the way through the story, John Friedlander's Sea Devil costumes. Now, apparently Terence, Styx and uh, Barry Letts didn't like the pale blue long string vests, but they are absolutely fantastic. And what a great decision to have the creatures wearing clothes. Um... Unlike the original Silurians, who went round naked. Um, they were clearly some sort of prehistoric lizard naturist cult. Uh, and every time we've seen them since, they've been properly dressed and, uh, and, and, and covered their modesty eff- effectively. The heads apparently were very expensive. And it really does show the money's on the screen there. Those expressionless round turtle eyes in particular make them very creepy and otherworldly and, and indeed threatening. Uh, the the, the sea devil turns up later to do a bit of threatening in a random episode of Blake 7 for no apparent reason Um, they're streets ahead of the Silurians in so many ways they look that much better than the Silurians one of the absolute um, one of the absolute classic monsters of the Pertwee era Uh, and you know those those blue uh, string vests knee-length string vests uh, they, they, they chime very well with the blue of the sea and and um, the, the whole the whole thing and, 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 and Pertwee's frilly shirts and all that it just looks so stylish and, and, and this story for me is just so very very blue uh, in, in the best possible way I, I, yeah I love the look of those uh, sea devils now that's interesting because I think I chose the sea devil design for episode one but it was Two doctors ago. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty sure I, I can tot up the score at the end for anyone who really cares. I'll double check. But I'm pretty sure I chose the Sea Devil design. Maybe for part two, but earlier. Which means that I actually get a point for that. And I got a point for Trenchard, didn't I? So I've got a couple of points. I'm sure I've chosen the Sea Devil design. Um... I'm not going to win. I never do. But uh, I'll take the small victories where I can. Um, so thanks. Yes, it is a very blues. And actually, I quite like... I was saying, oh, because they, don't, they don't blink. But I like wh- how, how Steve has phrased that. Use those expressionless turtle eyes. And actually, now I think about it, do turtle... I've never seen a turtle blink. I mean, I've not had a conversation with a turtle. But why? Just because we blink. Because fish don't blink. So why would a sea devil blink? Actually, Toby, get over yourself. Why do we... Uh, I mean, although actually the, that's just started on its own, so the house is haunted. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, because the Savix blinks, doesn't he, in uh, Warriors of the Deep? Um, but he's got slightly eyebrow, I think. And, and, and so we go, oh, it's, it's better because it's, a, you know, it's an advance in technology. And I, I, I think they blinked in Legend of the Sea Devils, I think, as I say, as well as talking and breathing by somebody poking the screen, <laughs> essentially. Um but actually, yeah, I, you don't want fish, those sort of dead fish eyes. Just, I'm actually apologising for them doing something that they needn't actually do uh, because they are really effective and I don't actually care that they don't blink. And as I say, Brian is, you know, very daring about as close as he wants to go with those. And so he doesn't mind. And if he doesn't mind, he's convinced me not to mind. And yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it, Steve which has made me now less apologetic about 
a particular element of the story, which makes me very happy indeed. So, uh, yes, um, and yes, they are dressed. Um, and he said that you know that 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 the the Silurians weren't dressed fair enough. I actually like the Silurian design of Doctor and the Silurians, but I take the point about them being naked. But there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and I, th- I mean, are they? I, they're sort of naked in Warriors of the Deep. I know they've got shells, but they don't count as clothes, do they? I think I just think they're shelled Silurians. Unless that are we saying that that's a that's a sort of tank top. That's that's actually their clothes. Now that's very interesting. I mean, to be fair, the Silurians in Warriors of the Deep can't even wear their own heads properly, <laughs> let alone clothes. Can't be trusted with dungarees uh when their when their necks are flapping about but that's another story which i've actually already done um but if you were asked me to choose at this current time i i, I still think silurians is is a is a a, a, a a stronger story than sea devils i've always seen the the sea devils as the sort of poorer <laughs> marine cousin um but this time i have to say i have thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this i think it's a belter it's a wonderful direction wonderful monsters good characters looks fantastic the doctor and joe are great uh, as i say so much so i've probably not given them their dues really um and the master too i mean it's, oh, he's just never not good he could you know he's just great when he's just standing there um good stuff and that i think is the the droop episode you know where there's a bit of sort of escape and capture but i actually thought that was all nice and interesting but it is always the episode i kind of forget and i wonder why that is uh, as i say because i think it bridges the gap between the the trenchard prison stuff and the finale which is what we will be watching next time on doctor who happy times and places with me toby haydock and some facts and observations and doubtless some mistakes <laughs> but that's all part of life's rich tapestry Thank you for joining me under the sea, and I will speak to you next time. Goodbye. Thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. And my special guest this time around is Steve Hatcher. He can be found on Twitter at StephenPH underscore Hatcher. And do go to one of his conventions. They're marvellous. I'd like to thank Steve and, of course, the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Paula Reynolds, Peter Reed, Ian Radford, Liam Price, Mary Ann Plesherty. Mary Ann, if I'm pronouncing your surname right, please do inform me of the correct pronunciation and I will do it properly. John Pettigrew, Thomas Payne, Ken Patterson, Richard Patey, Phil Pascoe, Andy Parkinson, Russell Parker, Mark Trevor Owen, Jeremiah O'Connor, Tom Neenan, Andrew Nixon, Chris Murphy, Justin E. Monaghan, Phil Mitchell, James Miller, Nick Mellish, Steve Manfred, Glenn McLeod, Philip Marsh, Daryl McLean, and Nate Lynch. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Would you like to hear your name read out like that or incorrectly? Uh, <laughs> please, uh, if that's the case, go to patreon.com. Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, you can get bonus releases, early material. I mean, if you're listening to this as a non-patron, I mean, 
some of the patrons who listened to this when it first went out have probably died of old age. No, surely not. Let's not wish that on anybody. But it's uh, you're about six months ahead on the happy times of places. There are a couple of too much informations in the bag as well. And definitely they've had an extra sprinkling of indefinable magic. Um, they also get, uh, in, you know, any, any extra stuff I've got kicking around. Three releases a week, generally, uh, you get as a patron, which works out to about 25p each if you're doing the £3 a month thing. And I'm not then including the pictures of my dog that I wang out on a Tuesday, which sadly are, for some of the patrons, the most popular part of uh, my oeuvre. Um, you get a 10% discount if you do a year in advance. But I know committing to a year or even a month is tricky in these times where... Well, I've just looked at the return to the price of a train ticket to London. <laughs> That's been paid for by about five patrons. Um, so, you know, I know times are tough. But uh, if you want to go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock, you can do a one-off donation anytime you're feeling flush or, um, you know, I, you think I've particularly deserved it. But you know what costs you nothing? Go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give these five stars and a review. <laughs> Uh, I'm a stand-up comic as well on twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey. There's an archive of all the comedy shows I did for Excess Malarkey, my comedy club that I've been running for nearly 25 years. It's 25 years old in September. Um, uh, during the pandemic, we went online and had loads of special guests from all around the world, from James Acaster to Eddie Pepitone to Alice Fraser from Australia, Randy Feltface, all sorts of people. Um, that's twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey. Well, trivia fan, if I'm sounding perky, which I'm feeling not unperky, it's, I mean, I'm recording these credits at, uh, I was going to say early in the morning, it's actually lunchtime, just coming up to 1pm, but uh, this morning I was up early and I did a 10 kilometer run, run is quite generous, amble, flop, um, in preparation for the 10k I'm actually doing as I record this uh, the following Sunday, so it's... Uh, it's uh, there's a two day gap. Um, so that's my last one before doing the thing proper. And I actually feel OK. This is why people exercise. But um, it's not my natural game. And I'm sure I'm sure I will soon fall into indolence. But this is proof that you can run 10 kilometers even when, you know, carrying the produce of a small country around one's midriff and still make it out alive. Um uh, if this is if this is released as a tribute uh, a podcast by my surviving family, you'll you'll know why. But I actually I feel all right. Um, I hope you're feeling all right. The sun is shining here in Manchester. I hope it is where you are. God, that's so unusually positive. God, is it's this blooming exercise thing? It makes people happy. Why is it all the things that hurt are the ones that make us happy? That's that's an evolutionary. That's that, that's some that's not you know that's not fair. You get rewarded with happiness if you punish yourself first. Oh come on, evolution! Why don't you reward us with happiness for ice cream and indolence? That's that's the kind of that's right. Never mind, drop losing our redundant nipples. Make us make us fueled by uh, by by laziness and treats. That's what I want. Anyway, jolly jolly jolly. Um, I might have to do this again sometime. Thank you.
Oh, I was going to go then, but uh, bonus content. Rossa McPhillips, military expert, MBE no less, says, generally, the rule is clean-shaven. This is about beards in the military. This is the stuff you come for. The rule is clean-shaven for all three services, but Royal Navy submarine crews are allowed beards. They live in cramped conditions for six months, so it's a dispensation, really. UK special forces like the SAS or the SBS can have beards and long hair if they want because, well, they're special and can do what they like. Oh, I like the idea of that. Well, I've got a beard, so does that mean I could be in the SAS? I'm sure there's some sort of paperwork to fill in, but other than that, I should think I'm a shoe in I see me abseiling an embassy with my beard. Uh, <laughs> I was very good at fencing at drama school. Um, uh, and Rossa also adds, oh, and if you're in any of the services and your religion means you have to grow a beard, you have to write to your commanding officer seeking permission. And I've never heard of a CO denying this request. Well, there we go. That is everything you need to know about beards in the military and naval services. Goes to show what I know, because I don't know if naval counts as military. Yes, it must do. So the military is the land, air and sea, and the navy is the sea part. Anyway, there we go. Beards and fighting. That the end. <laughs> Inform, educate and entertain, Toby. I mean, it's like Lord Wreath lives again.